Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here alongside the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, as we wrap up the week on Locked on Bucks. Getting very close to training camp. We're all getting excited about that. Uh, but I will remind you, and we're going to talk a little bit of Mavericks on today's podcast, but I will remind you about Fridays on Locked on NBA and the host of Locked on Mavericks, Nick Angstead. And Adam Maris of Locked On Nuggets Power Rank, the week that was in the NBA. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts. So, Frank, before we started recording this, you brought up the Drew Holiday podcast with JJ Reddick. And I've brought that up. I think we brought it up at some stage on this show. But there was something in particular that you said that I thought would be an interesting topic to go through on the pod. And that was specifically Drew Holiday discussing the idea or the thought that he thinks, or he's always thought, that he was the best defensive player in the league, which had me thinking about his chances for Defensive Player of the Year. I know you were looking up the odds on betonline.ag, the sponsors of the show here, but I, I think the interesting thing about the idea of Drew Holiday winning Defensive Player of the Year is that clearly this postseason, as he alluded to on the show, highlighted his individual ability defensively and how he can put completely can suffocate some of the best players in the league across multiple positions defensively. But he's also playing alongside Giannis. And the other thing, just historically, as far as true guards go or true point guards go, I think Gary Payton in 95, 96 was the last one to win defensive player of the year. So it, it would be seriously bucking the trend. I think as far as perimeter players go, Kawhi Leonard is obviously one uh, defensive player of the year, uh, maybe a couple uh, going back a few years ago, but traditionally guards don't win that award. But do you think there is any chance given the fact again, that he's playing next to Giannis, but also the fact that he really got his respect this year from a, from a media perspective, certainly through the postseason, he has any chance as a, as a potential outside defensive player of the year candidate? Not really. Um, and, I, you know, I, I think um, the the upside of him playing on the box, you know, and, and being in a team that um, has won a ton of games and, you know, they've had very good defenses. Obviously, the defense was not as good this year as it was the previous two years, but they were still a top 10 defense. And they were obviously a, a great team that, you know, was known to play defense well. And that kind of thing matters. And a lot of times, obviously, um, I think when you look at all defensive team voting, um, you know, reputation plus team success is a huge component of it. It's not to say that uh, the voters are not looking at, at you know, analytics and kind of the, the details of, of how that person performed that year. Uh, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think probably being a first team all defensive guy as he was last year, that's probably, you know, the, the best he's, he's going to get you now. It's not to say he couldn't be like a top five 
defensive player of the year vote getter or something like that. I think, um, you know, his, his defensive performance and, and the visibility of his defensive performance in the playoffs this past year, obviously is going to stick with a lot of people. And, you know, um, unless he really falls off a cliff, I'd be very surprised if he's not another first team defensive, uh, all defensive selection next year. Uh, but as you said, I mean, there, there is a reason why, you know, perimeter players just have a much harder time making the all defensive team. And, you know, they just tend not to be as impactful, right? I mean, all the metrics would tell you that Rudy Gobert for all of his, you know, um, limitations in terms of playing different styles defensively. And obviously, uh, you know, the way that the jazz lost in the playoffs of the Clippers, you know, a lot of people point to that as, and say, well, are you really the defensive player of the year? If, uh, you know, you can be, um, exploited the way that, that the Clippers were able to, but, um, you know, the, you look at the numbers. I mean, his his regular season impact, and you know, Rudy's not the only big man to to kind of have similar impact. Um, it, you know, it just tends to be larger, right? And Giannis, not so much this past year. Giannis's defensive metrics actually were really weren't that great last year, um, even though he was again, you know, I'd, I'd say a, a very good defensive player was a first team All Defensive Team. Um, but I, I think again, it's just it's just easier for uh, guys like Rudy or, you know, different types of players, but Giannis and Draymond Green. I just think those guys, um, you know, it's just, it just one of those things. Like, I think just the, the bigger you are, um, the easier it is for you to impact the game in different ways. And it's not to diminish Drew's abilities or his impact defensively. But I think it just makes it extremely hard to, uh, to, to be a, a defensive player of the year type candidate. And, you know, I think Ben Simmons was probably a good example last year. I mean, Ben Simmons had a phenomenal defensive season, and a lot of that came by being a perimeter defender. Um, he's obviously much bigger than Drew and, and most guards, um, which gives him a, a degree of versatility in terms of being able to defend up, I think, that, that a lot of guys don't have in the backcourt. But um, but even the Ben Simmons, I mean, you know, Doc Rivers, before Doc Rivers, you know, turned on Ben Simmons in the playoffs, um, you know, he was making, I mean, Doc has that history, right? He did it with DeAndre Jordan where he like just blatantly, you know, tries to talk up his guy to win defensive player of the year or to win whatever award. And then, you know, as though it's just obvious and not because he's the guy's coach. Um, he tried to do that with Ben Simmons and it was just at the end of the year, it was just like, yeah, come on, dude. Like he's not nearly as impactful as, as Rudy Gobert. I mean, I would argue Ben Simmons. I mean, I think Joel Embiid is more impactful defensively than Ben Simmons, but that's neither here nor there. Neither of them obviously won defensive player of the year last year. So, so yeah, I think it's, it's unlikely and, you know, seeing uh, plus 1800 odds for Drew to win defensive player of the year, I think is, is not shocking. And I think as well, I mean, the fact that he's on a team with Giannis, who's already won a defensive player of the year. And I think Giannis was, I believe, what was he third or fourth in yeah, defensive player of the year? Top five. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, he's third. Uh, Gobert is plus 300. Ben Simmons plus 400. Good, good luck with, with anybody thinking that plus 400 on Ben Simmons this coming year is a, is a good bet. I don't really foresee that working out. Um, but Giannis at plus 750, Anthony Davis at plus 800, and Embiid plus 900 right behind him. Um, it's just hard, right, when there's another elite defender playing with you. Um, I think it's just easier for voters. Same, same, will, go, same will be true, obviously, of MVP and uh, as well, it's just you know when you're not the obvious best defender on a team, it's just it's just harder to to get that level of recognition. MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, 
Uh, are the Bucks going to win those awards? The odds are up at betonline.ag for all those awards. So you can check out the futures for the NBA season that is coming along very, very quickly. But also, it's NFL season to get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest and the world's largest 200K NFL Survivor Contest. It's open now at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing. So just use the promo code Locked On at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And what about Direct TV? We all we all know about Direct TV. We've all heard about it. But does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch up on the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. And it's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies and shows all in the one place. No more juggling remotes. No need to buy another device ever again. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV. You can learn more at Direct TV Stream, that is. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Yeah, this might be simplifying it way too much, Frank, but you spoke about the difficulty for perimeter players. As the game has become more perimeter orientated, I remember there was a stretch during the season where Drew Holiday, uh, we acknowledged, we spoke about it on the show, he was defending really well, but you know, Steph still had 30-plus on him. Damian Lillard still had 30-plus on him. And it's just interesting when you compare the big men that are there as rim protectors, paint protectors, generally guarding uh, space, let's say that, rather than one-on-one matchups, which you tend to have on the perimeter, it does change things a little bit. And I think it does become harder to identify really great perimeter defense. The, the better these guys shoot, the further out they shoot, it becomes more of a challenge. So I, I think ultimately with Giannis there, it will be tough uh, for Drew. I think that's probably the main point out of all this. What about MVP though? Because we discussed it last year and there was certainly some momentum for Giannis the longer the regular season went on because of the fact that the numbers became hard to deny. Now, I don't think he was ever seriously going to to win the award, and that obviously proved uh, to be true in the end with Nikola Jokic uh, winning the MVP there. But now that he's won a championship, it means that the green light is there to again vote for Giannis for MVP. It's crazy the way it works, but that's the reality. Uh, again, you had those odds. I know Giannis was up there. Luka Doncic was there under Jason Kidd. In Dallas, I believe Luka Doncic was the favorite heading into last season as well. And we'll see he had a bit of a slow start, perhaps didn't show up in the uh, the best shape possible there. Luka, we'll see what happens in Dallas this year under Jason Kidd. But I would suspect that Giannis is going to be right up there again. It's, it's silly the way it works. It's funny the way that everyone now will again acknowledge Giannis as an MVP candidate. But I would say that his claims are going to be hard to deny if he has a similar season again. The Bucks, as we suspect, are a home court team, a top two or three seed in the East. Uh, he's going to be right up there. Yeah, I think the, the interesting thing, um, you know, Luca's status as favorite, I think, is, is, I think has to be somewhat premised on the idea that, that they're going to break through and, and be a top four seed. Uh, it was interesting last year because, I mean, the, the Mavericks ended up being a five seed. They were five games back of the four seed, so they weren't really, you know, close to um, 
to being a home court team in the first round. I mean, they had the same record as the Lakers who were at seventh. So closer to, you know, the bottom of the playoff standings than the top. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I mean, if, if the Mavericks kind of take that next step and, and are a top two, three seed, then I think absolutely Luca will be part of that discussion. Um, of course, uh, I would be lying if, and, and I have no ill will towards the Mavericks. I have a number of friends who are Mavericks fans. Um, but would it, you know, bother me if Jason Kidd as a coach, um, let's just say underwhelmed and in doing so prevented Luca from winning an MVP, that would not bother me too much. Um, you could argue that I'm hoping up for that banking on that. Uh, um, I will, will be interesting to see if, if kid has learned anything from, uh, his, you know, um, his previous failures as, as a coach. Uh, you know, I don't look defense has changed a lot. I mean, I think if there are two obvious things that you'd complain about kid from his tenure in Milwaukee, I mean, one, I think defensive tactics, you know, was sort of the, the X's and O's, uh, issue that I think would be easiest to, to point out. Obviously they were also not as good offensively as they became as soon as uh, Bud showed up, but defensively, I mean, the fact that he couldn't get that team to be a good defense um, after his first year is spoke to just sort of the tactical um, hubris that, that he had. Again, I have no idea what kind of defense they're going to try and play in Dallas. Rick Carlisle, I don't think had had a top uh, an above average defense since they won the championship in 2011. So not exactly like a culture of, you know, strong defense that kid is going into and, you know, what he's going to be able to do with them. I, I have no idea, but um, again, Frank Vogel, obviously the Lakers had very good defenses. So it doesn't, ex- doesn't exactly have Anthony Davis and LeBron James uh, in, in Dallas. So we'll see kind of what he does. Um, but I think for Luca, you know, it's really, to me, it's just so much of it comes down to um, does he get, uh, you know, from a team success perspective where he needs to be to, to make that case. And again, if he's their sixth or seventh, again, I just, I just don't think you're winning MVP from the sixth or seventh spot. Um, and I think you could argue a similar thing for uh, Nikola Jokic. Um, there's no question the numbers are going to be there, you know, both Luca and, and Dante and, uh, and Jokic in particular, I mean, Jokic's durability has been tremendous. Um, you don't worry about those guys, you know, missing 30 games in the same way that, you know, you worry about like, you know, Kevin Durant missing 30 games or uh, Anthony Davis or, you know, even LeBron after, after last year. So um, I think those guys are going to be in it, but again, Denver, they were third last year, but with Jamal Murray out uh, for who knows how long of this season, you know, it's going to be a little bit harder for, for Denver to be at the very top of the West. And, um, you know, with so many good uh, players uh, that are going to be in that MVP race, um, I just feel like I would just be very surprised if it's not somebody that's from, you know, a top two or three seed. And this is nothing, this is not some killer insight, right? This is just looking at the history of MVP races, you know, Russell Westbrook, notwithstanding, for the most part, the guys winning MVP are are coming from one of those top teams. So um, I I thought the most interesting thing on the board. So if we look at the, uh, the, the odds at, at betonline.ag, um, Luca plus 450 at plus 700. Again, Steph, probably a similar argument, right? Um, you know, Clay Thompson is, sounds like he's going to be out for the, for the first couple months of the season. Um, so it's not like Clay is just, you know, ready and raring to go on an opening night. Uh, and so how good this, the Warriors are, I don't know, right? I mean, they were, 
you know, they were a playing team last year. It's not like they were amazing last year and Steph was incredible. Right. Um, and Steph's had his own injury problems. So, um, certainly there's some arguments there why, you know, um, maybe the Warriors are great top three seed could happen, I guess. Um, but I don't think that's any, anything that, you know, is assured. And then Giannis at plus 750, followed by Katie at plus 800, Embiid plus 850. Um, again, I think with KD and Joel, it's again, a lot of that's injuries, right? I mean, Embiid might have won MVP last year, if not for his customary, you know, 20, 20 game absence um, that, that caused him to really drop out. And KD, I mean, didn't even play half the season. And, you know, how long did he miss with a freaking hamstring injury, right? Um, as, as much as KD can just sort of roll out of bed and score 30, um, I don't think any of us are expecting him to, you know, play 82, 82 games or maybe even 72 games. So we'll see kind of what he looks like. And I think ultimately, you know, Harden is, uh, let's see, Harden is plus 1400. And I just think between KD and Harden, you know, they almost need one of those guys to be injured most of the season for the other to have a chance to win MVP, which I think if one of those guys is out for a really long time, I don't think it's impossible that the other could win MVP if Brooklyn is, you know, the best team in the league, for instance, but um, kind of like when KD was in Golden State and you know, him and, and Steph would just sort of cancel each other out. I think it just kind of makes things harder. So, yeah, I think there's definitely an argument here that the, you can make an obvious path for Giannis to, um, you know, be a, a, actually a pretty good bet at plus 750 because, again, you'd expect the Bucks to be a top two, three seed in the East. And if they're really, really good and Giannis is his normal Giannis self, um, as you said, it's kind of the opposite of last year where he, he basically had to force himself into the argument because of the Giannis fatigue. Now, I think people are going to be, you know, very open to, you know, wanting to vote for him from a narrative perspective because he's coming off this incredible playoff run where he obviously had essentially, you know, made the argument for why, um, why he really was the most valuable player in, in all of basketball, not just from, not just from a regular season standpoint, which is, um, which is pretty damn cool to say. So I think it's pretty going to be really interesting and, and fun and, and wide open. Probably the, the, the odd that the odds that make that are the most interesting to me. Did you see, if, if you haven't seen it, I'll ask you to guess, um, do you see what Nikola Jokic's odds were? Uh, no, I didn't. Uh, but I know, and you've sort of ran through it. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know yeah. that they're not, they're not, they're not great. But yeah, um, if Steph you, was, you care to guess, you care yeah. to guess where he's at. Yeah. If Steph was plus 700, did you say? Yeah. Uh, well, Jokic is obviously going to be outside that. So uh, let's say, let's say, uh, let's say plus 1200. Plus 1600. It's interesting, isn't it? But he didn't get much respect. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty harsh the way he was kind of treated as an MVP who had a spectacular season last year. And it was like a lot of people made it out that, he just got it by default because there was no one else there. It was kind of, it felt a little bit disrespectful to the season he had. I agree. Um, it, it felt like people were, I'll say this, it, it was very obvious that barring an incredible playoffs from him, there was not going to be a lot of enthusiasm to vote for him, <laughs> vote for yeah. him for a second yeah. straight year. Exactly. So I think that's, that's clearly what is happening here. That basically the voter fatigue slash disinterest in, Jokic as a two-time MVP is basically being baked into these odds because yes, I think what we mentioned, Jamal Murray being out, the likelihood that the Nuggets will not be, you know, a top two, three seed, that is a big part of why he wouldn't be a favorite. But as we were just saying, I mean, 
is Steph. Are, are the Warriors a, a favorite to be a top three or three seed? I don't think they are. Um, so I think it, it seems pretty clear that that people are just basically already assuming that nobody's going to want to vote for two straight years of, of Nicole Jokic's MVP, which I kind of, you know, it's kind of sad to me, you know, because I think there's a good chance that he may well be the the best regular season player again for a second straight year. But um, on the flip side, you know, as a Giannis fan, a Giannis stan, um, you know, this is obviously a golden opportunity for him to uh, win a third MVP, which again, I mean, if you're in a, if, if you're in that three MVP with a finals MVP uh, club, that is a very, very select group of players. And um, heck let's get greedy. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's no time, no time like the present when the Bucks window is, is, is still open for Giannis to keep racking up awards and um, just putting up dominating regular seasons. What about rockauto.com though, Frank? The great sponsors of the show been with us for a long time and with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. If you're like me, you're wandering around aimlessly, you don't know what you're looking for, someone's asking you questions, you don't know what the hell they're on about and then they don't even really have the brands that you need anyway. They've only got what they've got in store but with rockauto.com. You can find the brands, you can find the specifications that you specifically need for your car and you're saving money. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find out the solution to your auto parts needs. Just go to rockauto.com. Check out those parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. That's amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. What about Built Bar, though, Frank? The best tasting protein bar that has ever been made. We're still celebrating freedom of choice because that, that's what you get when you go to Built.com. You have freedom of choice. You can pick whatever bar you want. All the locked-on hosts love it. Justin Garcia loves it. Frank Madden loves it. I love it, and you will too. Go to Built.com and choose from the list. The whole host of delicious flavors they have, whether it's coconut, raspberry, mint brownie, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. There really is something for everyone there. And if you don't know your favorite flavor, try them all. I can't recommend it enough. Try them all. The bars are healthy for you as well. Only 17 to 18 grams or 17 to 18 grams of protein, only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs. So uh, you're doing yourself a favor. Just go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED for 15% off at built.com. So I will mention the Locked On Today podcast with our friend Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers and specifically today because we started talking about the Philadelphia 76ers, but Peter had Keith Pompey, the host of Locked On Sixers, on the show that was yesterday's uh, so if you wanted to get the the word straight from the man who reported it with the philadelphia inquiry you can hear that on the locked on today podcast on the odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts any final thoughts whether it's awards whether it's the sixes we didn't really get too much in it and i said we were going to discuss jason kidd but honestly i don't really have a lot to say the only thing i i think about when it comes to jason kidd and, and coaching the mavs is uh uh, well, I'm glad he's he's not coach of Milwaukee anymore and uh, he's taken Sean Sweeney there. So there'll be some great memories. His friend, Jared Dudley, as you mentioned, is on the coaching staff as well. So uh, I'm going to be watching with interest. That's all I'm going to say. Luca, uh, an emotional player, I think it's safe to say. 
I'm very curious to see how those two get along uh, in Dallas there. That's all I'll say with Luca. And as you sort of pointed to, it might impact his MVP voting. And uh, as a direct result, help Giannis's case to pick, a, pick up a third MVP potentially. But uh, Jason Kidd, a head coach again. I really didn't think an NBA team would go down that path. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shocked, to be honest. I mean, hmm. you know, um, being able to, um, you know, uh, con rich people and powerful people into <laughs> liking you is a, is a very valuable life skill uh, that, you know, I think Jason Kidd has with spades somehow. Um, and, you know, obviously there is definitely a subgroup of, of players that really like him. Generally the superstars, was, isn't it? That, that's, yeah, that's, I, mean, I think that's of note. The stars seem to like him and it has seemed just from afar, just from afar and what we've heard and speaking to people, his problem has been a disconnect with the guys that potentially weren't as good as what he was as a player. Yeah. Yeah. And not, that's not necessarily shocking, right? I mean, I think the history of, um, coaching it's pretty common that uh that the better a player is oftentimes um the harder it is for them to to succeed in part because they can't relate to lesser players right um and you know kid's kind of interesting right because i mean obviously he was a a star um uh, an all-star all-nba player you know mvp runner-up uh when he was in uh, new jersey but at the same time, I mean, he also like reinvented himself as a role-playing starter late in his mm-hmm. career. I, so I do kind of wonder, like, the, you know, would that have kind of helped him maybe better understand, um, I guess, you know, what it's like to not just be, you know, as opposed to a guy like Jordan who, you know, literally retires as an MVP level player, finals MVP. You know, Jordan never, you know, in the bull with the Bulls never really had to kind of take that step down. And then obviously he goes to the Wizards and I just kind of care to forget that altogether, but, um, but I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's going to be just interesting to watch, uh, kind of what happens with, with the Mavs and, um, you know, we'll see. I'm, I'm not shocked that he would get a second chance. I think, you know, if, if things don't work out in, in Dallas, I think, uh, that maybe, you know, this may be his last chance. And if he does not succeed here, then that, that could be it. But, um, you know, again, Defense and personality were, were, were his, I think, two biggest issues. And we've seen a lot of stories come out as part of Marin Fader's book, um, kind of detailing some of, some of the stories, which I think were, were known previously, but, you know, others just around, uh, around just, I think, just some of the difficulty of, of him as a coach. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, on the one hand, I don't want to act like, you know, people don't have the capacity to, get better improve as coaches um but i think with him it's just there's clearly like a personality thing (laughs) let's say um and uh you know i don't know i don't know that the you know tiger changes his stripes leopard changes his spots whatever i don't know that uh that jason kidd is going to be uh you know uh, a different human being um, in Dallas than he has been elsewhere, and um, I guess we'll we'll just sort of see see kind of what that means for for the Mavericks. Um, but uh, you know, um, uh, obviously, there he's going to get a lot of attention just given uh, Luca and and the spotlight that's going to come with that, and you know, Mark Cuban drawing attention to uh, everything that that happens around the Mavericks orbit. So, um, by the way, 
I don't know if we need to spend 10 minutes talking about this. Grayson Allen plus 8,000 for six man of the year. So mm-hmm. save up. Uh, I mean, we, we were arguing that he, that he may very well start. So maybe, maybe, maybe he's not a good bet because he's not actually going to be a six man for a good chunk of this year. But, um, but yeah, if you feel like betting on a buck for six man, you, I, Grayson Allen was the one guy I was able to find here in the, uh, in the, the six man of the year betting. Yeah. Shout out to Grayson. Uh, you already mentioned Clay Thompson earlier in this podcast, but we know obviously the two, uh, two of the top line shooting guards in the league with Dante DiVincenzo making a little bit of a late start to the season, but uh, you know, maybe Grayson, who knows, who knows? Uh, I saw, I saw someone on one of the, one of the websites was making a case for Grayson Allen, most improved player. I thought it was pretty optimistic stuff. So uh, who knows? <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll probably uh, stick to defensive player of the year. And, uh, and of course, uh, MVP this year, looking at the awards. But I'm glad you mentioned Miran Fader as we wrap this up. I said this to you before we started recording. Uh, I saw Miran come into town a number of times, and uh, I wondered what she was up to, what story she was working on. Obviously, a, a fabulous writer, and and obviously the book. I know a lot of people have read it. I haven't read it myself, so I had a number of people ask, "Was I get, bringing her on the pod?" Uh, I haven't read the book, so I don't I don't see too much point in that. There's there's hundreds of podcasts out there with Miran, though. She's a star, obviously, now with The Ringer and the book's doing really well. So I do look forward to to reading it and getting a little bit more context around uh, a lot of the, the screenshots you see, which oftentimes doesn't doesn't paint the full picture of, of the way the story's been told. So I'm looking forward to it. Miriam's great. If you haven't read the book, the Giannis book, uh, it seems like I should be recommending you do so because people uh, certainly have nice things to say about that. Frank? You mentioned it, 26 days, 27 days. I don't know how many podcasts we're going to have before training camp starts, uh, but it's going to be here soon. And before we know it, we'll be analyzing games and players and all sorts. And uh, I really can't wait. I'm ready. I think I'm ready again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I was glad that, you, that Justin was on last week when the Ted Davis news broke. I, I haven't, um, hmm. I don't think, I don't know if we've talked since Ted Davis retirement broke, but um, I would just echo um, you know, I, I had to have had a chance just to, to cross paths with Ted a fair bit through his radio show and, um, you know, uh, various points when I've been riding in cars, uh, on road trips, listening to the bucks, um, on the radio. I mean, um, being, especially when he does the road games by himself, I mean, that is a, that is a oh, really yeah. difficult oh, yeah. skill to be able to carry a broadcast by yourself on the radio and, um, you know, the way that I think that he was able to convey kind of the emotion of it. Right. Um, like it's, it's interesting, like when I compare, you know, our, our, our friend Jim Paschke versus Ted, very different styles. And a lot of times, like, you know, watching Jim on TV, like when things are going badly, a lot of times I, was, I would just think like, man, I'm, I'm like, I really respect that Jim can sort of just like not get frustrated <laughs> and annoyed with you know, some of the bad basketball, especially that he's seen, you know, maybe not in the last couple of years, but, but previously. And so on the one hand, I think like Jim was very good at like being even keeled through a lot of that. Whereas almost like with, with Ted, it was part of his appeal that he was like when bad things happen or officiating was poor, like he really, like you could kind of feel it. And I think maybe part of that's because, you know, just the radio being a different medium, like all you have is his voice. And so being a bit more emotive is is important, right? Whereas on the TV, I mean, you're you're able to see it with your own eyes. You don't really need your play-by-play guy to to do that as much. You can kind of you know feel it for yourself. Um, but yeah, I mean, shout out to Ted and and obviously Jim. Um, 
going out obviously in any year where the Bucks win a championship, especially just as you guys pointed out, Ted, the fact that, you know, the radio guys get to do the finals, right? So, um, you know, Ted's call for, for the end of game seven and, you know, the, uh, the steal and alley-oop in game five, um, you know, we'll be hearing that those calls forever. And, um, you know, Ted, Ted's call, right. A room at the top of the world or whatever his call there was uh, in game six as the, the game was ending. I mean, um, I, uh, I feel like I'm going to look forward to hearing that from time to time, you know, for the rest of my life, because I, I think that kind of captured sort of the way that, that we were all feeling when, when that happened. So big shout out to Ted and, um, uh, obviously, you know, again, uh, I remember growing up, Jim Irwin was the announcer in the early nineties when I first started listening. And then Howard David was around briefly, um, before Ted came and, and then, you know, Ted obviously just owned that job. And that was, you know, he was the voice of the bucks on the radio for, for almost a quarter of a century. So we were, we were very lucky and I was a big fan of Ted and, um, yeah, um, you know, we don't always hear him as much, you know, you mentioned how you, you heard him a fair bit in Australia and, you know, I, I heard him, you know, probably like five games a year I would listen on the radio. Um, but, uh, it was just, you felt really lucky when you had to listen to on the radio and you couldn't watch the game on TV that, you know, you had someone like Ted able to kind of really paint the picture for you and convey through his energy and emotion kind of what was happening. So, um, so big shout out to Ted and, um, yeah, I'm very curious, uh, you know, as we said, regular season's right around the corner. Um, you know, um, I'm sure there has been a lot of interest in <laughs> the, the Bucks play-by-play position. Um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of interest in that radio position. Um, so I'm very curious to see uh, kind of what comes of that, right? We're going to have fresh voices on TV and, uh, and on the radio. And I, I have no idea who those who's in the running for that. Um, but I'm sure there's going to be, um, you know, some, some good options and I don't know. We'll, we'll talk. We've been very lucky with Brian Anderson and, um, and the Brewers announcing crew. Um, the Brewers radio crew, like always has like really good up and coming, uh, guys that have done it with, with Bob Uecker. I think Jeff Levering, I think is the name of the guy who's, who's the new radio guy. Who's I like him a lot. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll get some news. I assume something will have to be announced this month when it comes to kind of the TV and radio stuff. So uh, curious to see who that will be. And, um, you know, I, we have Marcus though, you know, anybody just any warm body with Marcus should, should be sufficient um, for this year. Although obviously big, big shoes to fill with Jim. And I, I really hope, I mean, my one hope is that, you know, Jim and, I would say I would really love it if Jim could be the MC for, for banner night, just because he wasn't able to be there at the very end when the bucks won and he wasn't able to be in the building. I would just really love it. If, um, if Jim can, can be on the floor emceeing that, uh, that ring ceremony. Um, and obviously if Ted can be there and play a role too, that'd be pretty damn cool too, just to kind of have those one parting, uh, you know, um, parting visits from, from two, uh, obviously legendary guys in the Bucks org and obviously they're get, they should be getting rings too. So, um, they'll be somewhere in the building on ring night, hopefully, uh, in the middle of the, the ceremony. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I think we're all, it's, it's, you said it, we've been fortunate. It changes the, the quality of the broadcast and the enjoyment you have, even in wins, even in losses, uh, having those guys there, the voices, Ted and Jim as well. 
there is something beautiful about finishing off in a championship year, uh, whether you're a player or an announcer or a coach, whatever it is, there's something fitting about that uh, specifically for those two guys who saw a lot of terrible basketball. Uh, let's be honest, as you uh, pointed to there, Frank, but we can wrap it up there. I'm sure we're going to hear some news around that in the coming weeks. And of course, who knows? We'll keep our eyes on the NBA. I saw Giannis was back in the gym today. Uh, maybe he, he heard me the other day when I said the summer of Giannis, which I love the summer of Giannis, but maybe let's see some action shots. This guy's a gym junkie. We know that. He's in there. He's getting shots up. Looked like Diakite was in there as well, which tells you uh, we're only a couple of weeks away from basketball starting. Of course, this show isn't going to slow down. We'll be rolling through uh, right to training camp and then into the 2022 season. So we're looking forward to that. For Frank and myself, we'll catch you guys tomorrow.